Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. He always should be out there telling our story, networking. I know that's a super dorky word, but, you know, <laughs> building our networks and building our circles because you never know when you're going to be able to tap into a relationship. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Oh man, you guys. Okay. 
Like I get excited about guests, but I'm telling you, I'm out of my mind excited for this next guest because she is going to change your world, hopefully as much as she has changed mine, if not more. This woman has quickly become one of my favorite people on the entire planet. No exaggeration. Uh, I don't know if I've ever met someone quite as generous um, and someone who has just lit a fire underneath my ass. And you better get this book because it's one of my new top five favorites for sure. So I'm not going to make you wait. Today, I have Emma Isaacs on the podcast. And she is the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks, a business owner by the age of 18, property investor by 19, and self-made millionaire by 23. Emma Isaacs has entrepreneurship and achievement in her DNA. As founder of Business Chicks, a thriving global community that operates on two continents and 11 cities, her team produces more than 100 events annually with past speakers including Sir Richard Branson, Sarah Jessica Parker, Brene Brown, Diane von Furstenberg, Kate Hudson, among so many others. And as a committed philanthropist has now raised more than $13 million for various nonprofits, I also have to add that Emma has connected me to so many of my incredible investors for Light Pink. This woman is completely all about helping women get to their goals and achieve their dreams. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Winging It, which I told you is my new top five favorite, released September 2020. It's endorsed by Seth Godin, Mark Manson, Elizabeth Gilbert, Ariana Huffington, and many more, and builds a beautiful case for going after your dreams without having a perfect roadmap to get you there. And I'm telling you, Winging It has been exactly how I've done everything in my career. So I was so excited that she wrote a book about it because you need to know this is how it's actually done. Emma is a mom to six kids aged 11 through to four months and recently live streamed the home birth of her sixth child from her living room with tens of thousands of viewers tuning in to watch this peaceful arrival. She doesn't believe in work-life balance, preferring to advocate for a full life where people are in constant evaluation of what they truly want from it. A fearless leader from seemingly never-ending courage to spare. Emma inspires thousands with her boundless energy and ability to see possibility everywhere she goes. You guys, this podcast is going to blow your mind. So let's get started. Emma, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm super excited to have you here. Yay. I'm excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this chat. So thanks for having me on. Yes. Well, I have to tell you, I was so excited to have you on because I got your book in the mail and it is the cutest cover. I just have to, I'm obsessed with design and also the title. So I can't wait to dive into the title of your book, which is Winging It, Why Action Beats Planning Every Time. And I have to tell you, I am a big fan of winging it, but I also think there is a big description and mean like what that means to you behind it and the preparation of winging it as well. So I can't wait to dive into what this looks like in life and business and networking and relationships and all of the things. But because maybe there's only like one person who's not familiar with you on this podcast, (laughs) what we're going to do is just, I would love for you to kind of just give us a little bit of your background story because it's so interesting. You had a really young start in the entrepreneurial world. I would love to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you can probably hear from my accent that I'm 
not from here originally. I'm Australian. I was born and raised in Sydney, Australia and moved to LA five years ago now. So um, proudly an Angelina. I love it here. See our future here. Um, you know, half of my kids have American accents and the other half have the Australian <laughs> accents. So that's kind of cute. Um, but yeah, as you said, I started out in entrepreneurship super early. I had my first business when I was 18 years old. Um, and how that came to be, just really briefly, was I went to university and I only lasted six months you know for me uni just wasn't going fast enough and I love to learn through experience and I love to learn through the doing and I just didn't feel that I get where I wanted to go through sitting in you know a big cold lecture theater so I um dropped out of uni and my parents were very very disappointed obviously um but really quickly after that I met someone out at a barbecue one weekend and she said that she just started a little um, staffing agency. You know, she put temporary and permanent um, staff into different companies and they were looking to hire someone. So I walked in, um, had the job interview, got the role. And very soon after I started there, um, her and her business partner parted ways. And as he was walking out the door, he said to her, if you're going to offer equity to anyone in this little business, you'd offer it to that kid sitting over there. And he pointed at me. So that's how, it's a very, very abridged uh, version of the story, but that's how I came to be a 50% shareholder um, in a little recruitment company at the age of 18. And I spent the next seven years building that company with my business partner. And we did really well. You know, we got it to about team about 40 people. It was a fantastic culture, um, you know, really, really fantastic foundation in you know, small business and entrepreneurship and taking risks and dealing with clients. And, you know, I really got my kind of um, university degree through those first seven years, you know, on the job. Um, after that, uh, a girlfriend invited me along to a business chicks event. And mm. my initial <laughs> reaction to that, that brand name was, that's terrible. That's a horrible, <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible company name. And, you know, I'm a serious entrepreneur and I'm a feminist, I believe, you know, in women and, you know, I'm not going to anything that calls themselves chicks. And she said, come on, just, you know, come and give it a, a shot. So I walked into that room and fell completely head over heels in love with the concept of business chicks. You know, there was music playing, but everyone was really happy to be there. Mm-hmm. It was like the sisterhood on steroids. You know, I felt mm-hmm. just this super sense of um, camaraderie and, um, yeah, it was just a beautiful community. So I ran back to my staffing agency and I said to everyone, let's all become members um, of mm-hmm. this organisation. Let's buy three tables at the next event. Uh, we did all that. And at that event, I learned the business was for sale. So I ran up to the lady at the end and I said, listen, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I've never run an event before. I have no clue how to, you know, grow a membership organization, but I want to talk with you. So I ended up buying the business off of them. Uh, that was 15 years ago now. Um, we started with 200 members. We now reach 500,000 women across the globe. Um, we pre-COVID produced about 110 live events. Wow. So with speakers, yeah, like Richard Branson, Dan from Furstenberg, there's Gilbert, Renee Brown, uh, Seth Godin, Ariana Huffington, you, you name them, we probably had them on our stage. Um, so that was 15 years ago. And I uh, honestly, 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 um, I'm still as excited about the business as I was when I started out 15 years ago. And it's been such a joy to be able to do this work. Um, obviously, 
highly turbulent year. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm still as excited about it as I was back then. So that's a bit about the the backstory. Oh, I love that. I would love to dive into just a little bit more about that business um, because it's such an amazing business model, which you've also had to pivot so much. And obviously, I'm sure that there was some incredible roadblocks along the way because it goes from, you know, like buying the company to not knowing anything to having it be super successful. What were, what were some of those moments like where you bridge the gaps? Because right now I so, I so feel you. I'm in the beginning of a brand new company that I know nothing about. I'm starting an alcohol company. So for me, the question is always like, you know, in those places of the not knowing, how did you find, did you find people? Did you piece together a team right away? What was kind of your order of like your crash course in, taking over this company? Yeah, I love that. And it's a really, really, really big question. Obviously, I go into a, a heap of um, the practical steps in the book, which we won't be able to get through today. But it's, it's, it is. I get it. I get it. It's really hard to listen to entrepreneurs who went from like zero to hero and it just looked like it happened overnight. And we all want to, you know, have that path pieced together for us from, you know, A to Z. So I think the first step for me was really to interrogate the business model and understand how the business made money. Mm. And really at the start, there was no way to make money. It was a pure play events company, which, I mean, you, you run events, you run a lot of events and you know about this, you know, events fall into the revenue stream of very skinny margin, you know, very yeah. high effort in terms of resourcing um, and, and just very little return. So I quickly saw that we would not be able to scale a business based on a pure play events model. So I started to think about how else we could bring in revenue streams um, to the community. So obviously the next um, piece of the puzzle was to come up with a paid subscription model. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, our membership is a paid uh, membership and that's been a phenomenal way for us to build community and have annuity income that ticks over every, you know, every night and every morning when we wake up. So that's fantastic. Next thing was to really look at how we commercialized through working with brands and other companies. So we have a fantastic B2B business where, you know, anyone from an auto company to a credit card or a bank attaches to our products and sponsors our different activities. And that's always been um, a really, really great revenue stream for us. And I think what I did in the early days was um, really try and leverage off of brands that were a lot bigger than us because mm -hmm. I knew that if I could leverage off of a, a brand with a huge name, then that would elevate our brand name, right? So I didn't go to, not that there's anything wrong with the local yoga studio in the corner, there is not. Um, but, you know, I, I just knew I'd have to go to the biggest and best to start with. So once I had one of those under my belt, now the brand started getting interested. Um, a similar strategy with the speakers that we had, I knew that once we had, say, a Richard Branson, you know, it would be a lot easier to um, leverage off of his brand and get other speakers of that calibre as well. So, yes. yeah, interior the business model was, was one of the ways. Um, we also run a digital media business where we are featuring stories and um, producing content every single day. So really um, looking at the different um, revenue streams, diversifying the income streams was the first piece of the puzzle. But, and then it's just about, you know, you, you look at all those four pillars, if you like, and then you just get to work in, in growing them. You know, you start with a number and and you start at a at, at base of zero and you start building from there. So we did a lot of things in the early days, like referral campaigns. We did a lot of outreach. Um, we started with one person, you know, my, my even though we've scaled the business and it's a huge community now, my, I suppose my secret source has always been relationships. Mm. So, you know, asking people for help and asking you to join and then asking who else you know that might want to be, mm. you know, involved in the community. So really trying to individualize that offer. Um, 
And then I think the next, I suppose, piece of the puzzle, um, and we might go there today, but it's it's really about building a team around that shares the vision and mm. understands core values. So, um, again, if I think I've done anything right in my journey as an entrepreneur, it's about attracting the right people mm-hmm. to my business. So my very first hire in the company, I put her on board 15 years ago and she's still with me to mm. this day. One of my other leaders, my CEO in my Australian business, she was with me in my staffing agency for four years. She left, came across to business chicks. She was there for three or four years and she left. And she's back now and she's been in the CEO seat for five years. So it's really about, you know, how, how do you make yourself redundant as a, as a CEO or as an entrepreneur as quickly as possible? And how, how do you find the people around you that can carry on that vision? So, you know, there, there are a couple of things that can kind of help piece together the path. It was working out the business model and working out the revenue streams, making sure the right people are on the bus at all times. And you know, knowing, and you know this, but knowing your role as a leader is not just to be light mm. and, you know, to everybody you know um i think sometimes when we can get caught up um you know in this idea that we have to be liked by everyone and that being a leader means you have to be popular and and Mm -hmm. you know whilst i think my team will tell you i'm very very kind and fair i'm also there to ensure that we have a strong business and yes that everybody is happy but yes that we have a performance culture so that's something that i very much focus on in, in my company as well Oh, that's, you know, I think working with so many entrepreneurs, um, especially female entrepreneurs, that is a tough, that's always kind of where a block comes up of how do I show up as a leader, but also let the, you know, create a performance culture. Like you said, is there certain, did you, did you listen to certain books or did you have certain things that you follow? Did you do like attraction model or or anything like that when you were creating that? Or did that come naturally for you? In the early days, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books and courses. And yes. We didn't have podcasts back then 20 yes. years ago. So you I would read. <laughs> I don't read. Terrible. It wasn't even Kindle or Audible. Yeah. No one read to us. We, listen, when I started, we had um, cassettes and uh, we didn't have DVDs. I wasn't even DVDs back then. I, I, you know, how I got my start, and I mentioned a little bit in the book, is um, my dad was um, an accountant by trade mm. and he worked for some of the big public listed companies and then he lost his job. And so he decided he was going to get into, you know, small business and entrepreneurship. So our house was filled with all the greats like Robert Kiyosaki and Anthony mm. Robbins and Napoleon Hill. So I would be going to a basketball game and listening to, you know, a cassette of some dude talking about, you know, how to get rich quick or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I really, you know, I, I put religion on a lot of those teachers and speakers. And so definitely um, a lot of advice as a teenager and it always interested me. Um, on the culture thing and on the leadership thing, of course, I read, I read a ton of books. Um, I think I also really earned my stripes through the doing, you know, through making mistakes mm. with people through, I spent looking at different businesses and different leaders that I wanted to emulate and work, and talking with them and asking what worked and what didn't. And a few little tactical things here, which might help some of your listeners, you know, um, in both of my businesses, I've had what's called a culture statement. So mm-hmm. this is a two-pager, it's, you know, double printed um, two-pager. And on one side, it just says what we expect of you. And on the other side is what we can expect, what you can expect of us. And, you know, if you can just bullet point seven or eight things that kind of define what your culture is and who you want to be as leaders, it, it kind of provides this North Star for everyone to understand, you know, the way things are done around here because that's just what culture is. It's just mm-hmm. a set of rules or whether they're written or unwritten of the way things are done around here. So 
the culture statement definitely helped in that regard. And then the other, really, the, the big thing that I'm into is um, having a set of core values. So mm-hmm. we um, have a very, very clear set of core values at Business Chicks. And I can always tell when we're going off the path or making weird decisions or, you know, someone's coming to the business and I'm thinking, this doesn't kind of feel right at all and, mm. and why is it? And so I look at, I, I always return the team to our core values and it might be in our weekly whip or, um, you know, on one of our calls, I'll say, guys, can we just get the values out again? Let's just read through them and it just mm. kind of reorients everyone. And, yeah. um, you know, for me, our core values are like a North Star. They just dictate you know, a lot on culture and a lot on leadership and, and just sort of show us the way for, for where we're going. So I, I think some of those tactics have really, really helped when it comes to leadership and, and um, you know, developing your leadership style and the culture you want in your business as well. Mm, so good. So the concept of your book, Winging It, can you kind of tell yeah. me that, was that a theme throughout all of your decision-making process and how things worked throughout everything? Like, where? tell me where this came from and when you realized that this was pretty much what you were, what you were doing throughout. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting, obviously, um, being able to do the work that I've done at Business Chicks for the past 15 years, I've gotten to speak with literally thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of women. Um, and I've heard about their challenges and their successes and what holds them back, but also propels them forward. Right. So I feel like I'm in a unique position of, um, having that kind of insight into a collective wisdom of women and what mm-hmm. they tell me. Um, and, you know, a lot of these themes started coming back about how we, um, you know, and unfortunately it is still mostly women who are plagued with these problems, but we tend to overthink and we overanalyze every single conceivable detail. We do tend to sometimes wait for opportunities to come to us. We yeah. often wait for permission. Um, so I started seeing these kind of, these, these themes emerge and, you know, Coupled with that, I've obviously been able to work alongside some of the world's most incredible entrepreneurs and business leaders, and I've seen how they conduct themselves and their businesses um, and what they're like on stage as well as off stage. Mm. So, and I think I think what we can do, and I think you'd agree with this, often we can glorify entrepreneurship and often we look at these successful people and put them on this pedestal and we think, oh, they're unreachable, they're untouchable, they've got it all figured out, they've got this yes. grand plan for their life and, you know, you know, and they know, and yeah, and they know something that we don't know and we're yeah. wrong and they're, you know, we can, we can do that. We, we put a lot of space in between, you know, our journeys and, and their journeys, mm-hmm. but I got to, you know, travel with these people and spend, you know, two weeks at a time with them and be having breakfast, lunch and dinner and, you know, hearing calls that they were making with their teams and the problems they were noodling. And I'm like, this is no different to what you and I face, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a huge theme started coming up for these people and why they'd been so successful is because they had found the courage to step forward, even though they didn't know the answers. Mm-hmm. They'd had the curiosity to seek out answers to the questions they were asking. They were relentless in their pursuit of, you know, finding solutions to problems and they just didn't give up. So, um, you know, in a way as I kind of wrapped all that thinking and wisdom together and came up with the concept of winging it, because to me, that's what it's really about. You know, it's stepping into the unknown, um, going forward, even though you don't have the answers or a perfect roadmap of what, how you're going to get somewhere. And it, it really, a lot of it comes back to trying to cultivate this level of, um, yeah, self-confidence or having an assuredness um, in your beliefs. Because again, I think that we just look at these people and think they know something that we don't know. But at the end of the day, they are making it up just as much as any of mm-hmm. us are. Um, but they're doing it confidently. So that that's kind of how the concept came about and, and the book came about. 
Yeah, I love that. And it's the only way that I've, number one, ever done anything. Number two, when I've gotten to interview people, same thing. It's like, it's literally just the experience of doing it gives you experience. So then you can be like, okay, that nothing, you know, too much caught on fire with that one. And, you know, (laughs) I know it's, I think you're hundred percent right. I think what happens is though, because we have so much access to information Mm. um, and, which is a, which is both a beautiful thing and it's also a curse. But a lot of the amazing business owners that I've seen start and scale have not started with the same intention that a lot of people start out with these days. Like I want to be the next, you know, Airbnb or I want to be the next Netflix or I want to be the next Uber of or, you know, I want to run a billion-dollar company, you know, because all we hear about in press is the unicorns and these amazing mm-hmm. companies. When we didn't have as much information back you know, going back 20 years ago now, you just, you just kind of started something. You started here with zero information, zero knowledge, and you step forward and you put one foot in front of another. Yeah. And, and similar to your journey, you, you figured it out as you went. And, you know, for people who are um, clever enough to ask the right questions and, and obviously research and along the way, they can scale and they can do really well. So, yeah, I just think there's a, there's a real, real common theme there. And I hope that the book is able to package it up and deliver it, um, yeah, in, in a beautiful way. Yeah. So if you guys are, if if we're not diving deep enough, definitely get this book because it's amazing. Um, And talking about scaling, was there moments for you where you, did you have really clear goals along the way or as it grew, did you get more clear? And you know, what did that look like? Like, how did you set up your plan of growth? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I never set out when I bought the business 15 years ago with this sort of huge vision for, I want to have 500,000 members, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, the numbers are critical in terms of the day-to-day management of the business. And I encourage every single entrepreneur to be so in their numbers and to understand the levers that you need to pull in your business to be able to make Mm -hmm. more money. You know, I I see a lot of entrepreneurs making the mistake of sticking their head in the sand when it comes to the financials. And I've always been Mm. someone who, um, I check my cash um, balance every single day. I have weekly meetings with the people who, um, you know, like my CFO and our external accountant and our internal bookkeeper as well. So um, I really advocate for being in the numbers and understanding the numbers, but and I know this sounds like a a little bit um, counterintuitive, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, internally driven by the numbers. You know, I've never been internally driven by, um, you know, I will have reached success when we hit $200 million. For me, that has never been the driver. So for me, it's really about um, impact. And for me, it's about um, creating experiences and memories and moments for our members. Um, For me, it's about I judge success based on if I'm still interested in what I'm doing every single day, if I can still have the opportunity to innovate. If we're still growing year on year, I mean, every single year for the past 15 years, we've grown both our top line and our bottom line, which is really, really exciting. So, you know, for me, it's, you know, I I, I never had this absolutely clear vision. It's always to be better than the, the year that's just passed. That's mm-hmm. absolutely a goal. Um, but, you know, it's never really been about the, you know, having an um, obsession with with the numbers. That's not what matters so much to me. Okay. Um, I think I'm just asking for, you know, if there are people who, let's say you have a company that's supposed to hit certain numbers or different things like that, is there ways that you work around? Do you try to get more excited about like how you're doing it? Like, how do you flip into what you're talking about? If you know, you do have, you know, maybe some pressure or things applied because of sales goals and things like that. Yeah. And look, don't get me wrong for a minute. We have sales teams, we have partnership teams, we have very, very clear goals. Um, 
And our planning cycles are done in three-month sprints. So we certainly don't look at what's a you know huge 20-year plan or a 10-year right. plan or vision for 10 years. It's very much about a sprint because the way business works these days, it's it's you know, it's impossible to know we're going to be in 10 years' time. Yeah, so yeah, totally. our sales teams and um, our membership teams have very, very clear goals. I'm just saying it's me as the entrepreneur and yeah. the, the founder who's not in the business and um, doesn't need to be as driven by the numbers that I leave that to them and their leaders to make sure they hit those goals. But yeah, I mean, I think the important point to make here is just getting really, really clear on what your business is and what the planning cycle is, you know, for us that three-month sprint really, really works. But again, going back 20 years, you know, it used to be a five-year, used to be a five-year plan, right? But, yeah. um, you know, these days it's, it's definitely about having a bit more short-termism and, and trying to race to that end goal and, and planning in shorter shorter cycles than we used to. I love that you just pointed that out. Like find what works for you because sometimes we yeah. can see one thing that works. Um, and also yeah. what I love about that is that you don't necessarily have to be in the numbers because you have supported, like you know them, but you've supported yourself around it so that you can do what you do best. And that is like really, I'm sure, loving on the community and creating different things for the community and like, what's your impact? Because um, I think that we forget, uh, you know, when we're in the beginning of building something, we forget that we're going to get all of that support. Like, you're not going to have to do all that. So you can actually go back to your zone of genius because you're going to have yeah. support around that. That was really powerful. A hundred percent. And two things I'd say about that, I mean, I've always been someone who has not been a micromanager. So I've always mm. put people into their roles and been there to support in any way possible. But I think you free yourself up um, as an entrepreneur and a leader if you can um, put trust in your people and hire the right people to do their job. So I've never been someone who's looked over the shoulder of my people and said, how are you going? We're going to make it, you know, this month or next one. But that's that's my personal leadership mm-hmm. style. It might be different to, to you. Um, but the other thing is I'm I'm I am in a unique position. You know, I started this company 15 years ago. In a lot of ways I am living the entrepreneur's dream in that the majority of my business is run by my CEO. So I am, you know, a little bit hands off and I can be, like you said, in my zone of genius and, and that is to innovate and productize and to love on the community and to make sure I'm still, you know, developing relationships. But I understand for sure the unique position that I'm in and I'm really proud of that as well because, you know, the, the end goal of any entrepreneur should be to make themselves, um, you know, that their role redundant in some way, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I feel in a lot of ways I am living the entrepreneur's dream. So um, it frees me up to do other, thing, other things like speaking and writing books and yeah, I feel very blessed. Yeah. yeah I think before that I set out into you know, starting a company and was more in like the speaking, writing, uh, coaching, different role. It was yeah. kind of like, I thought if people started a company, they had to be the CEO and they kind of like had to wear all these hats a lot in the beginning. Yeah. And then when you actually yeah. start to like look inside all of the different business models, you can say, wow, I don't have to completely give up myself and, you know, wear myself ragged. If, if you don't want, like there are options, yeah. you could hire a yeah. CEO, you can't hire yeah. that out. So I'm yeah. so glad yeah. that you're sharing, you know, your experience of it because you really are able to then like really have most of the great parts about why people want to run a company. So I love that. Okay. You talk a lot about just starting, which I love because it's just kind <laughs> of the story of, of when I when things actually started to happen in my life, it was because I was like, well, we're just going to do it. Don't yeah. know what I'm doing, but here we go. Yeah. So let's, this is, I mean, this topic, this could be just a whole, like someone's podcast called Just Start. Right. <laughs> um, tell me- Maybe you need to do it. That, yeah. I'm, I'm going to let someone else do that for now. Um, <laughs> They can just start that somewhere else. Um, so tell me a little bit about just start. Like for everybody who's waiting, like they're they're just they're waiting 
for you to tell them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I love this. I mean, I think again, speaking to so many different entrepreneurs out there, what I found was people had a whole set of excuses as to why they didn't just start, you know, and mm-hmm. it's things like, I don't have the money right now. I don't have the time right now. I didn't finish my degree. I, you know, I'm not smart enough. I don't have the right networks. I don't have the right knowledge. I don't, I'll do it when the kids go to college. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've just found that these excuses are not excuses that are, are strong enough. You know, I, I have six little kiddos under wow. the age. She said she has six kids, just in case you missed that. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't <laughs> You heard that right. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I'm still able to, you know, run a global business and write a book and run my household as well. And I'm not, I'm not for one second saying I'm perfect or have all the solutions or answers, but I just think that when we let our excuses overrun um, what's possible for ourselves, it is a really, you know, it's a surefire way to limit your potential and, mm-hmm. and you know, your own success. So and I, I've been working with a coach for um, 25 years now, and I always I always hire business coaches and I always go into these sessions thinking that I'm going to talk about a business <laughs> problem that I'm going through or, uh, yeah, right. And then, no, and then it all, say, yep. uh-huh, and it all just unravels. And what it comes down to is some silly self-limiting belief or excuse that I have been telling myself either from childhood or, you know, from five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And once we can unpack that and understand, oh, that's what I'm doing then then you can get on your way and you can just start. So I, I think, I think there's something to be said about really, um, self-exploration and, and trying to go deep and understand why you are making these excuses because, you know, while, while we stay inert and while we stay stuck and while we use these excuses, you know, it's um, nothing moves, nothing shifts, nothing happens. So, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think this is all tied up, and you agree with this, it's all tied up with this idea of perfectionism. It's, it's tied up with um, the idea that I don't want to fail, I don't want to look silly, I don't want to be caught out. I don't want to, um, you know, be shown up. And these are all, you know, they're, they're all valid things. I mean, I, I still suffer from imposter syndrome in some of the rooms that I'm placed in and, and just have to, again, go back to that self-talk and say, hang on a minute. Like if someone has deemed me worthy of being in this room, then I am worthy of being in this room. So I, yeah, I, I can't, um, I can't labor that point enough. I think working on our own self-talk and our own self-limiting beliefs is where it's at and it will help you get over that stuckness and, and mm. getting to Amen. Couldn't agree with you more. Every single time I've been like, hmm, why am I not, what am I, what is, what's actually going on here? And especially if I can share it, like with, like you said, a coach or friends or like call it out, I'm, then I get over it quicker. It's like, yes. well, could that happen? Sure, that could happen. Could you accept if that could happen? It would suck, but yeah, it's better than, you know, the excuses. Excuses are exhausting. Like, so tiring. You can exhaust yourself by just always convincing yourself that you can't. And then going back to that place of just like settling and, oh, it's a really exhausting cycle that I found myself in for a really long time. Um, (laughs) It's like coaching session itself. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Oh, I should hit record. Just kidding. We are recording. Okay. (laughs) All right. So with, with that said, I would love to know, first of all, what your definition of winging it is. And I'd love to also hear what you in your life right now feel you are winging it in. Oh, yeah, they're good questions. They're good questions. And winging it to me is about getting into action without having the answers. It's everything we've spoken about so far. You know, it's, mm-hmm. about, it's about pulling yourself out of self-doubt, stopping with the excuses and, you know, just really stepping through the uncertainty uncertainty. And in a lot of ways, like this year is the perfect storm mm. for women, right? Like we are all 
in a moment of complete turbulence and uncertainty. So for me, you know, every moment I, I feel myself weighing it in, in some way. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we all are. Like when the pandemic hit, we had to, um, you know, we sat down with our team and I looked at my CFO and I looked at my CEO, CEO and I said, give it to me straight. Like, you know, how many months or years do we have of cash before this becomes a, a thing, you know? And we mm. really had to have some tough, honest conversations around the business. We unfortunately had to make a couple of layoffs, which is never, ever, ever fun for no. any leader in their company. No. But again, we, um, you know, are here to ensure the viability of our people's jobs and we're here to ensure the viability of our, the health of our businesses. So sometimes those tough calls have to be made. And, you know, we had to completely shake up our business model that we'd run for 15 years, right? And that meant taking all of our 110 live events and turning them onto, um, you know, being produced digitally. And that was a real shift for us. You know, we we like to be able to hug and high five mm-hmm. people. And, you know, we we do events with four or 5,000 people. So, wow. um, you know, to really try and, you know, manifest that or pivot it in some way to an online experience, you know, has been a real challenge. And, you know, we failed on a number of different levels and it's been a real kind of, um, you know, a shock to the business. You know, we were used to, we could charge whatever, four or $500 to come to an event. Now we're charging $24 and most of them are free. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this year has really been about, okay, how do we innovate and how do we um, sustain ourselves and how do we, um, you know, try and get through this, this this pandemic. And one thing that I sat down with the team was, you know, this is going to pass. We don't know when it's going to pass, whether we're still going to be in this situation in six or 12 months' time or 18 months' time. We have no idea. Um, but who do we want to be known as? You know, what when this is all said and done, what do we want our reputation to, um, about how we acted in this time? What do we want to be known mm. for? And so I think taking that urgent and immediate action and really showing up for our community, um, organising a, a ton of virtual meetups, doing all the online event programming, all the outreach we did to members to check in and see how they were doing, mm. that, that's all going to really set us up for, for the future. So for us, it, was a, it, it has been a really beautiful time of returning to the scrappiness of an entrepreneur. Like I know you're in startup with one of your businesses now. For me, it felt like a, a new beginning and, okay, how do, how do we have to yeah, yes. we have to mix this up and almost like start again. Like, what have we got here? What are our assets? What are our you know resources? What are our relationships? How do we maximize those and amplify them, amplify them to the community? And I think we did that really, really well. Mm. Um, are we making much money from it? Um, absolutely not. But we have spent the last fifteen years fortifying the business, diversifying business model. Um, and so we're in a really good place. And I know that we will pull through this um, stronger than ever. But yeah, gosh, winging it every single day, baby, every every single day. Mm-hmm. Been a lot this year. Has been a lot. <laughs> that's that's really powerful to hear, though. And you said something that I think is just one of the biggest lessons. And I'd love to have you elaborate on it a, a bit more. Um, and that's that was the what do we like? What do we have here? What are we working with? Yes. And I think when people are, and, and I know you touched on it a bit in your book, um, you. Literally, you guys, there's such a wealth of knowledge in this book, especially if you are running a business or starting a business um, about, you know, what what am I working with? Like, where do yeah. I start? What am I working with? You talk a bit about yeah. like, how, like, how about do you go about creating a product? So with what you said, like with what you had, you looked at what you had and then you're kind of creating from there. So what's your yeah. advice to people if maybe they don't have anything or they do find themselves in the same exact position as you with the reassessing process? 
Yeah, well, I'd say this to start with. Everyone has something, right? And I think one of the things we do when we're starting out is we do this thing that I call compare and despair. So we look to the side all the time. We look at what everyone else has and think, I don't have that and therefore I can't be successful. Like everyone has a uniqueness. Everyone has a story. Everyone has some level of talent or some sort of skill that they can amplify and take out to the world. And I don't know what that is for you. You've got to discover that. But I truly believe that every single human being has some level of uniqueness and they should really tell their story um, above all else. So for us in that time, the biggest thing that I, I suppose the thing that I've invested in the most throughout my entire career um, has been um, my relationships, you know, mm. really, really, really investing in my relationships. And that is from um, a customer point of view. So really trying to, you know, go deep and develop a stickiness with our customers and trying to have a level of engagement and trying to have shared experience with our customers. So I know I have a legacy of depth of relationship there with customers. Um, uh, we... We know we have a, a set of relationships with our speakers, so that's that. That was an asset that we had to, mm-hmm. to work with. Um, and because I have spent the last whatever couple of decades investing in my relationship with these people, you know, I, I was able to call in favors because it wasn't like I just came out of nowhere and said, "Oh, hey, will you speak for me?" And obviously, we were having to pay these speakers a lot less. If, if you know, sometimes it was, "I'm sorry, but would you speak for free on this virtual? Would you speak for us for free on this virtual event?" Yeah. Um, and all these people said, absolutely, you know, you've done the right thing by me for this, for this whole time. And of course, I will support you. And of course, I want to see you, um, you know, survive through this time. So I, I think the investment in relationships is what really worked for us. And that's what mm. we started with. And that's what we had. Um, we're also looking at the business and the, the people resources we had, right? We have about eight or nine people that work um, on events products. They're our events team. So me and my CEO are sitting here going, okay, what are we going to do with these people? Mm. We need to, we want to keep them. We don't want to make any layoffs in this area, even though we are running zero live events. So how do we start the product ties? How do we start to look at what the subsets are in our community and deliver content that is useful and valuable for these people, you know, throughout this season? Mm. So a lot of that meant we became experts or we hired experts in the different you know, government stimulus packages and, you know, like really trying to talk to pandemic, um, you know, content. And that, that lasted for a very, a very short amount of time. And we all didn't want to talk about that anymore. And we wanted more, <laughs> uh, you know, inspiration and not to talk about um, that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's just mm-hmm. really, again, understanding your customer base, understanding your assets, understanding what, what your customers need in, in that moment and then being, you know, the first to respond. So we, as I said, we were really um, quick to, get an event up and live, I think it was within the first kind of 10 days that the pandemic was announced. So I looked at the team and said, do we know how to do digital events? And they went, no. Um, I said, well, listen, I'm going to go out to 10 speakers now and get their commitment. We'll wrap a brand around it. And we did all that work before we had the tech or the know-how how to produce the event, right? But at least we were up and selling. We were up and looking like we, um, you know, had all our stuff together and we um, were able to sell something right off the bat. And that sort of set us up for you know, the next six or seven months as we um, went forward trying to produce a yeah, schedule that was meaningful for everyone. Wow. I mean, it's it's crazy because I can actually put myself in your shoes to know what mm-hmm. that pivot, what that pivot of uh-huh. event, because we do a lot of live events. And while we've always had, you know, a digital community and done things like that, I do know what it looks like to then just try to figure out what this community needs and wants. And it, it can be, it can feel daunting at first, but then once you do this once, it's kind of like you get these, this, you, you understand that it's limitless possibilities. 
Like there are limitless possibilities of how to serve this community that's kind of already, that's already there for you. So Mm. I I just want to elaborate for anyone who doesn't have that community yet. What are some ideas around just like a way to show up to start creating a community? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I suppose it starts, you know, can start with a list and just being really generous with content and ideas and wisdom. Um, and that was certainly one of the ways that we did it in, in the first instance. Um, you know, it can be free events, um, you know, and asking for mm. an email address and trying to build a list that way. So again, any level of expertise that you have, any relationships with experts and you could feasibly package up and put out there is a really, really great way to start building an audience. But I think it's like anything, whether it's an online audience or whether it's an in-person audience, you know, it's about being generous and it's Mm. about being authentic, like, you know, and just being who you say you are. I think it's about building trust and credibility as you go. I think it's about giving more than you take. So, um, you know, and I know for a lot of people, we give and we give and we get upset when we don't get anything back, but you've got to let go of those expectations and be creating and be building and be giving um, mm-hmm. without expectation of anything coming back to you. And, you know, I, I know for many years, like I, and in, in a lot of ways, I still am quite an analog business owner, you know, because I feel like I've been doing this for so long now. And I'm one of these people that um, at the end of the year will sit down and write 600 holiday cards to, uh, you know, suppliers of the business and friends and clients because that to me is investing in relationships and to mm. me it starts with seeing one person and investing in them and then that you know putting in the hard yards and amplifying that but yeah I think I think that's a nice summary of of how we can all mm-hmm. you know, we, we all build an audience and we all have a story to tell and you know have no shame if it starts very very small you know just keep giving I think also we can we can lose enthusiasm when things aren't growing as, mm. as fast as we like, but um, you know, hang in there because these things just they do, they take years, you know that. It yes. doesn't happen ever as fast as we'd like it to. Oh my god, it's it's so crazy though, because it's like I can look at things right now with this company that I'm like, mm. oh, right down to like investors who I made that relationship maybe five, six, seven years right. ago. And I'm like, oh my God, like at that mastermind or at that business event, or like, thank God I went that night, you know, because look at what's coming up now. And and so we forget that it's like, if you can really be present in the moment with like, is there a connection there? Does it feel good to help? You know, is, can you help this person? It's crazy how, yeah, you're not doing it for what could happen, but things happen, (laughs) you know, it's going, it's going to, you're going to equally benefit each other at one point. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it takes your whole career to build a reputation. It takes your whole mm-hmm. career to build a personal brand. And your personal brand is just what people say about you when you leave the door, you know, when mm-hmm. you leave the room, that whatever people say about you is, is your personal brand. And I think, again, you know, we forget that that does take, like you said, years and years and years of shared experience, years and years and years of doing the right thing by people, years and years and years of doing favors and being generous. Mm-hmm. But I think well, there's a real clue in that. And there's a real, you know, lesson or, or learning in there like we always should be out there telling our story networking and that's a super dorky word but you know <laughs> building our networks and building our circles because you never know when you're going to be able to tap into a relationship and and use it for you know your growth or your business so mm-hmm. yeah. 
I think it's, I think it's really wise advice to always be putting yourself out there for sure. For sure. And it can, mm-hmm. it can be very uncomfortable. And sometimes the last thing you want to do when you're tired, but it's also yeah. something really, I, I actually build it in because I'm like, I can be an extreme introvert. So I have to like Damn. build in, like get yourself out there or you're not going to have any <laughs> friends and this is going to be fun. So <laughs> like, yes, your husband is great. And so are some and of your those dog. shows. But, yeah, my dog is pretty awesome. So that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah he actually helps me network. So I just have to take him out on the street and I literally, yeah. I meet everyone. So <laughs> get that's a dog. Beautiful. That's how you network. Okay. <laughs> um, it's funny. I, I, it's funny because the other day I was literally um, walking my dog and I can't tell because living in LA, like I have had, I have looked up so many times and like a celebrity will be petting my dog and I'm like, oh my God. Hi. Yeah. hi. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah. My dog's cute, right? Oh. Trying to act cool. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's just so weird when you haven't lived in LA and then you do and you're like, wow, they're I'm, freaking everywhere. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, know, you know what? We moved here, as I said, five years ago. And literally, like the second day we were here, we were taking the kids to some like doctor's appointment. And because yeah. like, I have six kids, we didn't have six then, but you know, I've got like a soccer mom car and the doors <laughs> open and the kids sort of climbing out. And I kid you not, like I turned around and Justin Bieber was like right there, like <laughs> like two feet away from us. And I'm like, yeah. this is LA. This is crazy, I man. Know. I know. I think I'm not there celebrity since, you know. It's so it's funny. it's so much fun. It's crazy. Like I remember the first time I was just like, oh my God. And now I'm like, oh hey, yeah. what's up? There they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird when you like think that you know them and you're like, oh hey. Yeah. And they just are like, I don't know who you are. Um, okay. So fun things about LA. Um, I would love to know what. So, so this is always fun for me to ask because I know when, when my book was getting out into the world, there were like these themes that I didn't expect to come out or like these different things that people were really kind of like clinging to and they loved about the book. What is something that's like this reoccurring? You're like, oh, this is kind of what is coming up from the book. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think when you started talking there, um, uh, sort of testimonial from uh, this girl came up for me and she said, I started reading your book on the weekend. It was a Saturday morning. I was in my pajamas. And I was on the sofa. I was having a lovely time. I had my cup of tea. And she said, as I started reading it, I just needed to sit up a little bit straighter. And then I needed to get off of the couch and actually go and get dressed. And then she was like, you know, and she just sort of told this story of this book really inspired me. It really got me, you know, really excited about my goals. I kind of lost my way a little bit. And I'm now really, really, really excited to get going and to start something. And, you know, it need not be a business, you know, it might be like starting to heal a relationship that you have, you know, you know, needs healing, or it might be starting your fitness journey, you know, and it's just for people, they're telling me it's a really inspirational read and it will get them off the sofa and and starting um, and taking, you know, getting an inch close to their goals. So that's what I love most about the feedback I receive about it. Oh, it's so awesome. It's so much fun. I'm just like living vicariously through you. It's so much fun to start when your your book really starts getting out into the world. Um, yeah. Were you freaked out at all with this one? Were you like, oh my God? I was, my love. I was. Of course I was because um, the book actually released two years ago in Australia and it hit all the lists and it sold you know, off the shelves. And mm-hmm. I mean, I have a very big audience there and a wonderful community. So that was fantastic. I, and it still continues to sell this day, you know, two years on, which is really, really encouraging for me and huge feedback. Great. Shopped it around um, in North America, found a publisher um, who's fantastic. And then, you know, had a whole book tour organized, as mm. you would know all about live events all around the country, all organized in the pandemic hit. So we are all having to learn a new way of, you know, I was speaking to these companies on Zoom and just looking at all these little heads. <laughs> this is yeah. wild. It's like, you know, this is just so let's wild. Let's connect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's connect. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, it's, it is a lot. It is a lot mm. to wrap my head around it. I, I wish in a lot of ways I could get out there and meet people um, and do book signings and the whole thing. But, you know, we're, we're having to relax into this is the way um, that it is right now in 2020. And, and it's, it's, I think, you know, if anything, my mantra has always been just to be kind to yourself, you mm. know, just knowing every moment you're doing your best, you're doing your best. And I just repeat that to myself every single day. You know, I, I can show up, I can do my absolute best work. I can try and be there to serve but at the end of the day I've done my best so you know I just really hope the book reaches who it needs to reach and I know people get a huge amount of value from it if they give it a try so Mm. yeah I love you oh beautiful and I I'm so I'm glad you pointed that out as well just like that I'm doing my best and so much grace because I I don't think I've ever talked to someone who's anyway that I is successful and that I would love to emulate that isn't like gentle with themselves because I don't think there's any way that you can put yourself out there that Mm -hmm. much and, and be hard on yourself. It's like, it's, you wouldn't be able to sustain, um, growth and, and to keep showing up if you, you know, go through the beating yourself up or trying to like hate yourself into your goals and different things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that definitely comes with a level of maturity and and level of success as well. You know, you sort of feel like you perhaps when you start out, you've got so much to prove and, um, you know, I certainly don't feel that anymore. I feel like I, you know, have done the right thing by lots of people and all my people in my community. And I feel like I've earned my stripes um, and, you know, it's been an absolute joy to build what I have. And so, you know, I, I kind of relaxed into that as well and, and said to myself, this is your time to, to enjoy. And yeah, I, again, just coming back to that, I'm doing my best in every moment and it just really helps Helps me keep going every single day for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I am such an avid book reader. Um, and I would love to know because I always recommend books on here. Um, what like who exactly is this for? If you were to gift this to your ideal book reader, who is that? Yeah, someone asked me that this morning. Anyone who um perhaps needs a little shot in the arm or a kick in the pants. Um <laughs> anyone who is starting in family business. I mean the, the book has so many tips in there about building relationships, building your circle, building your network. It has lots of tips on how to fund your business and grow your business. Um has lots of tips on leadership and building culture. Um, lots of fun stories from all my friends that we talked about before. So, you know, anyone who has an interest in making themselves better in both business and life, this mm. book is definitely for you. What's been you, what was your favorite thing to write about in it? Like what which chapter, which part story? It's a great question. I mean, I I I I do love talking about um building financial acumen in business. I think it's the one area that we don't focus enough um with in entrepreneurship. You know, I started my first company at 18, I bought, bought my first property at the age of 19. Um I as I said, check my cash balance every single day in my business. I invest in the stock market every single day. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very bad month <laughs> this <laughs> month, but I just have loved, I, I never was taught this stuff, right? So I have learned financial acumen through the mentors I've had around me and through in the doing mainly though, like just working it out myself and asking so many questions about other entrepreneurs. And I think certainly as women, I think we have a responsibility to open up that conversation about money and to, yes. to talk about it without shame and, you know, to, to build the those friendships and and confidants and mentors that you can have really clear and open discussions with about money. You know, I I have friends who I turn to and you know we talk about what did you make last month or last year and what you know and you can get into it and it's it's really uh, comforting and enlightening to be able to you know have those people in your life who you can have those honest conversations with and you know you can turn to when the proverbial hits the fan. So yeah, I think for me, I love talking about money. I love talking about I love having no shame about that. It's okay to make money mm-hmm. and it's okay to not have the answer 
finances. Um, so I think for me, those the chapters around money are um, some of my favorites in the book for sure. Oh, I love that. And what you don't talk about gets ignored, right? It gets swept under right. the rug. So you have to yeah. give it energy or yeah, it's not getting totally. energy. It's not yeah, growing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. yeah, I exactly. love that. I'm so passionate about that right now with just, you know, conversations that we have not maybe been privy to in certain parts of the country as women, as, you know, growing yeah. up, maybe it wasn't something that was in our family. And I really think it is, you know, a lot of times we have to be the people who break that like family pattern of it yes. being taboo or whatever that looks like. So I would love to know, cause you have so many communities and different things to do outside of the book as well. Um, how do we get involved with business chicks? What does that look like? Yeah, well, you should become a member first and foremost. Um, we are running a promotion at the moment. When you become a member, you get a copy of Winging It for free and it's oh, the most awesome. amazing offer. I know. So you should all become members mm-hmm. of Business Chicks. So um, that's just businesschicks.com. Um, but yeah, we're running a whole host of digital events, obviously, right now. We can't wait for the world to come back online because we run some amazing experiences. Like we get to go to Richard Branson's Island um, every single year for a leadership gathering there. We run knowledge and study tours um, in partnership with UCLA and NYU's Stern School of Business and they're incredible. So yeah, just look me up there. Um, I'm at emmaisaacs.com as well. So yeah, love to have you involved in whatever way that looks like. Amazing. And just one more time on the book, um, because truly you guys are going to love it. I promise you guys know that I don't recommend any, anything, any book that I don't love. Um, so where can we, where can we get the book? Yeah, so available at all your good bookstores. Um, Barnes and Noble has it, Target has it, um, Amazon has it. So yeah, just do a quick Google search and it'll come up. Amazing. Yay. Well, I'm so grateful for you. And I'll ask you one last question. What is something that you wish more people knew about you? Oh, that's so good. Um, Oh, okay. It's hard, isn't it? Like I am an open book. <laughs> it I, is hard. You know, what, what I found most interesting about this conversation is just that one little thing you said that you're an introvert. Um, and I think for me as well, um, I'm an introvert masking as an extrovert. I have a very, very public role. But I, you know, I, I would love for your, your audience and anyone I come in contact with, I really encourage them to understand how they get energy. And for me, I recharge by being alone and getting alone time. And that is the key definition of an introvert, right? So it's understanding how you get energy. And that can be challenging when you have six little kiddos and a husband and a dog. Um, But yeah, I am definitely an introvert masking as an extrovert. I love meeting my fellow introverts. And I used to think you had to be extroverted to be successful. So I'm so grateful. I love when I meet them because they're like, nope. Okay, great. Keep going. So my people. Yeah, exactly. 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 Okay. So powerful. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you and you guys. If you love this episode as much as I did, you know, the one thing that we can do to always show our guests how much value we got from her or him um, is to tag Emma. So Emma, what is your Instagram handle? It's at, at Emma Isaacs. So tag Emma or at Emma Isaacs and then tag myself and let us know what your biggest takeaway today from Emma was. And you guys know that I love to share your stories and it's such a gift to the guest to be able to see how she actually impacted your life. So you guys, we're so grateful for, uh, for you. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest 
thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more 
more people journal. Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our lives. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you want to create on a course or webinar and bam, it just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're going to customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com.